0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, two massage therapists and a microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And again, I am out of the office. I am somewhere in Toronto, Etobicoke, Etobicoke. Maybe? Why isn't it Etobicoke? I don't know. I don't know. It's Etobicoke. My nephew
1: says Edo Bico.
0: Edo Bico? Yeah. I'm I like, like, really? That. It's Etobicoke, buddy. It's Etobicoke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging out in Etobicoke. We are in the coolest loft I think I've ever been in. Oh. Uh, uh, we've you. got a nice view of the highway and I'm pretty sure if I get my binoculars out, I'm going to see some activity happening in the building across the way. Have you ever done that before? By I've
1: the way? wanted to. Why I'm not? tempted. I, it's a little creepy, no?
0: You know what's the creepy part? Is when you get the binoculars out and you're looking and someone is looking back at you with binoculars
1: That is so wrong. That's that. That's why you see the, uh, <laughs> the, the... Do you see how the drapes are placed or the, the blinds are placed? Strategic. So they can't see up there.
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: you know the railing.
0: <laughs> that's Awesome. I am sitting down with an old friend. Her name is Olivia. We go back. We went to massage school together. And uh, since massage school, she's been doing some really cool stuff, working as an RMT, working with a really cool client base. She's also gotten herself way deep into fitness, and I will let her speak about that. Um, Yeah. Why don't you tell everyone who's listening? By the way, everyone's listening.
1: Everybody's listening. Well, what do you want to know? How I got into it, eh? Well, let's first
0: start off with, just a little bit about you. How about that? Let's well, start off with your name. Let's go there.
1: Olivia Zarek. Olivia Zarek. I like the my name. I like the sound of it. I think it's a little narcissistic to name your child after yourself, but I won't go there. <laughs> I don't Olivia think so at all. Oliver, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Why would but, that be narcissistic? I don't Is know. every
0: junior coming from a narcissistic I, father?
1: I don't know. It might be. A, have you met some of them? No, I'm joking. To be you, every, <laughs> Dating world,
0: hi. <laughs> every junior that I've met doesn't like their name. Every one of them, and they yeah. all go by their middle name.
1: Really? Yeah. No, Everyone. I've met I've met a few, and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, there's there's a yeah, you got to change your name legally, yeah. or just stick with junior. And then stick I've met junior. a couple
0: of people actually named junior.
1: And are they cool people?
0: Um, you you know what? You would think when your name is junior, you'd be like a really small dude. Yeah. Uh, this guy was the biggest black guy. Three hundred pounds. The, oh, he yeah, was, take he's, in, yeah. Take you in take
1: you in alleyway. One hundred percent. Oh,
0: for sure. <laughs> All right, so um, we were riffing before we threw on the headsets. And I I wish we were recording the whole time. Give us what happens when you finish massage school. So this is Um, going back to we started school in 2004,
1: yeah, we are done. finished
0: 2005, Yeah. licensed 2005, at the end of 2005 or something like that. Yeah. Give me your career path.
1: Um, I started working for multi uh, multidisciplinary clinic out in Brampton uh, for a Cairo. Um, and I loved working for him. Uh, honestly, I, don't, I would never speak ill of him, but he seemed a little bipolar. Um, I stuck it out at that clinic for two years because you don't want to look like you're unreliable and you job hop initially. And forgive me to say that it almost felt like slave labor with the pay that I was getting at that time. So I figured, let me get my two years in so it looked look good on my resume and start. Do you,
0: do you remember what you were getting paid? Um,
1: I was getting paid $200 flat rate for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd, be st- I'd start at nine o'clock in the morning and finish at 6.30. I'd have a one hour break uh, at one o'clock. Um, and the vast majority of my appointments were half hours. So by the time you crunched the numbers, paid out your taxes, I was getting paid out seven bucks per half hour massage. Oh wow. Right. So, you know, needless to say, I've clearly grown a practice since then and I'm not making seven bucks a half hour. Yeah. Um but it was interesting. It taught me a lot about myself and patients. Um literally to physically have patients and patients themselves as people. Yeah. I tried to dabble a bit into spa work in that area as well. And I figured I figured out real quickly that doing the fluffy massage, if you will, was not for me, just the regular K relaxation. I literally was so bored during those relaxation massages. I wanted to slip my wrists for entertainment <laughs> and watch myself bleed out because I felt like my purpose, my reason for going into work was fleeting. I, I was meant to help people. I was meant to fix them. I don't believe people should have to live with pain. Um, I think pain is an indication that something else is going wrong in the body, Um, whether it be an inflammatory response or it literally just being an injury. Is it stemming from actual muscular issues? Is it a gut health issue? Is it bone? But when you're in a, you're, you're put into a place, an environment like a spa, you're not assessing anything. You're not doing anything. Everything that we learn in school in essence kind of goes to waste. give me a break. No one's cracking open Netter or Fiona Rattray to check out protocol when you're doing those jobs. You kind of have to learn how to do those things on your own. And, it, and it's sad because I find those of us who choose to go work in the spa for the long run, lose those skills. For sure. Um, even to stay fresh on your anatomy. I'm not even saying oranges and insertions and all that crap. Yeah, that partially, but you literally even forget the names of muscles because all you're doing is spreading lotion on people. You're putting them to sleep. So that job, that 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 component working as a massage therapist in a spa just was not going to work for me. I had to stay in rehab. So I stuck it out in rehab facilities, was at my first place for two years. Um, and then job hopped to many different clinics, many rehab clinics.
0: How many are we talking about?
1: Um, for a well, while, for the next company I worked for, I worked at four other locations. So one location I was there two days out of the week and the rest of the week I was at, uh, each location one day out of the week. Um, so they had me in Oakville, Mississauga, Scarborough, Brampton, um, And I absolutely loved it. I won't lie. The vast majority of my patients at the time, I'm not sure if it's because of the owners or where their clientele were being streamed from. The vast majority were Indian or Pakistani, Mm -hmm. Um, which in turn taught me how to make butter chicken, which was (laughs) a great (laughs) thing. I make the dopest butter chicken ever. (laughs) Um, And you know what? It, it humbled me because these people genuinely came in with issues that they really wanted help with. And I'm like, okay, I want to stick with this. I want to stick with rehab. So I did that for four years. And then there was a huge change with motor vehicle accident insurance. And I went to collect my check one day and my check, instead of it being The hefty amount it was supposed to be was less than half because they couldn't afford to pay me. And I don't think it's because they couldn't afford to pay me. I think it's just because all the cutbacks, they didn't want to pay me the rightful amount. Having said that, because there was no actual contract signed, which was stupid on my part, going on the whole trust thing and, okay, no. You don't trust anybody to sign a goddamn contract. Even if you even have to draft one yourself on a lined piece of paper. Have something drafted. Mm-hmm. Have it signed. Um, so I literally collected my check, went to the massage room, collected my massage holster, my lotion holster, uh, my acupuncture needles and my tools and walked out. And on the way out, they asked where I was going, and I said, I was going to go find the rest of my check. And I never (laughs) went back to that clinic again. Um, I I had this sense of abandonment. I felt really, really bad for my patients. And that year, I was supposed to be getting married. Um, And as I was driving away from the clinic, I was fearing going home to tell my mother that I quit my job. Mm -hmm. My job wasn't just one job. It was a job, technically five jobs or four jobs because there were four different locations. And I was like, fuck, what do I do now? I'm getting married. I'm supposed to buy a house. And not for anything is not that, well, truthfully, I couldn't rely on my ex-husband financially. So it was me worried about where am I going to get the money for the house? Where am I going to get the money for this this wedding? Whether it be a destination wedding or a wedding I'm going to do at home, how am I going to pay for this? I don't have a job now. So on my way home, I was uh, driving across, I guess, Queen, which turns into Highway 7. I got off at seven and decided to cut north up Weston Road to go to my sister's, my sister Ursula, who, by the way, is on Storage Wars Canada. Um, she's Ursula the Knockout. How cool is that? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I was like driving up and I'm like, stop. I, I watched that.
0: I watched the other one. I, I don't watch Canada at all. Ursula's
1: like, she's the most stunning character of the whole. The whole fleet of them. Every 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 series, she's by far the most beautiful woman. I'm gonna you um, so the only thing is she's she's vertically challenged. She's <laughs> a little shorter than me. Um, <laughs> so I was driving up Weston Road and I was stopped at a light. It was at Roytech in Weston and I could see this clinic there. It's physio med. I'm like, I wonder if they're hiring. So by chance, I decided to call and it turns out their massage therapist that they had on staff was leaving for vacation. So literally had showed up the following week for an interview in which I had showed up in my usual just whatever bright color clothing and literally off the wall as they all thought I was high as I came into the interview because I'm naturally that happy. I come off that happy and I unfortunately I wear my heart on my sleeve. I think it's part and parcel with what we do for a living. You have to wear your heart on your sleeve. So anyways, I walk in and I did my interview. They thought I was high and needless to say, I got hired on. They thought, okay, let's see how long her energy level like this lasts. <laughs> they
0: thought I was high. And they thought I was so high. So they offered me a <laughs>
1: job. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, let's see how, how long her energy level lasts like this. And consistently, this personality that I bring to the table, my whatever this is, this ball that I am, I bring yeah. it to the table all the time. All meetings doesn't matter. And so I ended up kind of working out in Vaughan for the last eight years and in turn end up buying the clinic a few years later, had to sell back because of my divorce. So I got married and divorced in the span of this time. And then I kind of, after leaving the ex-husband, and hence why my practice blew up was because I started going to the gym. I started training, met a lot of different people, a lot of interesting people. Um, Training for myself ended up teaching me how a lot of people were obtaining these injuries through the gym. Unless you really know what you have to do or the muscles involved with a shoulder press. And then knowing how to treat those very muscles and how am I going to treat those muscles with what modalities. You're not going to get very far as a practitioner if you're planning on treating athletes and athletes alone. That wasn't my intention, wasn't to corner that particular market. It's kind of how I weaved myself in there. I didn't mean to only end up with athletes. That's all that I pretty much see now. So let's back this up then. So
0: let's 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 get into how you got into fitness because when we were in massage school, I don't know if fitness was your thing.
1: No, I was more into the... Low carb, Atkins diet. God forbid I have an ounce of sugar. And
0: I think I, I I've I've seen you with a couple cigarettes hanging out of your mouth. Oh yeah, there. I smoked. I smoked through school. So when does when does fitness make the appearance?
1: Fitness because ma- we're
0: not just talking about like you go to the gym. We're talking about go check out what's your Instagram? Go check out Midas Touch eighty two because we're talking about fitness competitor here. This is not just <sighs> I go work out every other day. <laughs> and maybe I'll do some cardio. We're talking. Oxygen deprivation (laughs) mask.
1: I love it. I love it. Um, it, this actually started four and a half years ago, five years ago when I left the ex-husband and I had, um, I primarily started training because, well, at the time, after I left my ex-husband, I started dating somebody and he had said to me, why don't you start going to the gym? At least you'll, you'll sleep at night and you'll have an appetite because I had become emaciated. And unfortunately, we need our strength as therapists to keep up with the schedules that we have. And not to say that I was being bombarded by clientele. is the clientele that I already had. I became unreliable and not really... And not that I didn't show up for work. I just, I sucked as a therapist all of a sudden because I didn't have my weight. I didn't have my strength. I wasn't sleeping. I felt like shit. I was constantly working in a deficit. And I was like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I'm hoping, you know, I'll get some sleep or I'll eat better. It wasn't happening. So I joined the gym and... Because I started going to the gym, is burning through more, which actually, oh my God, I actually have an appetite today. Let me eat. Yep. And I would come home and actually get a decent night's sleep. And for me, unfortunately, I think I've kind of grown accustomed to the fact that a decent night's sleep for me now is five and a half, six hours. That is good sleep to me. Mm-hmm. If I sleep any longer than that, I feel like, A, I've wasted the day away. And B, I could be at the gym. Why don't I just get out of bed? <laughs> <laughs> so like anything beyond 6.30, I'm like, I start to go through this panic mode and I'm like, I need to get to the gym. But I had woke up and... Literally jumped on the scale one morning. I'm like, oh my God, I'm 126 and a half pounds.
0: From your usual, which Bro,
1: was? Which was my happy, my skinny fat phase. I was at about 145 hundred and forty-seven pounds. That was my happy weight.
0: And this was this was you all For, throughout your marriage as well, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, maintained nothing. Maybe I'd go down five pounds, go up five pounds, but one forty-five was a happy weight. That was generally what I carried. Um, so that I'm marriage
0: a, fucked you up, eh?
1: Yeah, it really did. The psychological stress. It just. It was. It was hard. There was a lot of psychological abuse, and I, I don't think even and not defending him. I don't think he even intended it to be that way, but that's what it was. Um, The financial abuse, he was well aware of that, but did nothing to change it. The lack there of sex drive, I thought there was something wrong with me. So I internalized a lot of these issues. And after you leave, you realize that it's not me, but I need to get back to the swing of things and I need to pick up wherever I left myself off. And it turned into a mission for me to find out who I was before him. Because when I started dating my ex-husband, I was what, I was what, 17? Seventeen, eighteen when we started dating. And I was with him till I was about thirty one. Do
0: you feel do you feel like those were like wasted years? Like I oh wasted God, my no. fucking youth or is it Yes, this like- yes
1: and no. So there there's two sides to that, because I've been asked that. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I ever so simply put it this way. Me now knowing what I am now and knowing that I really haven't changed that much as you could tell structurally or from my face, I'm glad. I was with him through my 20s. I would have wound up either a pregnant with an STD or with some sort of drug habit, let's be honest. Um, and being able to fund it, knowing that the, the the course of work I selected and the stream I decided to take to get where I am today. And I would have taken that stream to get where I am today financially as a therapist in terms of being you know, independent and whatnot, I would have gotten there sooner. And if I had those types of finances, I would have been able to fund a drug habit or something else, God knows, but I'm glad that this is where I wound up because clearly I have an addictive personality. Look at where I am in terms of my physicality as an athlete now because I have that personality. That's why I don't go to casinos. Um, it's just I've never tried hard drugs because I'm worried that I'll become addicted. So that's kind of where that kind of all started. That's true.
0: Anyone that tackles fitness like you have, mm-hmm. it is an addictive personality. It is. Completely. It is. And it's great that you recognize like, uh, I can't I can't do certain things. If I tried anything that's a stimulant, guess what? That might take me down a path. Oh my God,
1: take out my pre-workout from my life and I want to slit your throat. <laughs> I'm like, your adrenals are like, whoa, where, where's my 500 milligrams of caffeine? It's not coming right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Put that shit on hold. Um, so yeah, so I don't think my 20s were wasted. I think it really taught me a sense of compassion. Um, it really taught me that Guilt was anger turned inward. And that's what my sister would tell you right now. Anger, guilt is anger turned inward. I think I was angry with myself a lot in my 20s and I wasn't angry with him. I had low self-esteem. So no, were my 20s wasted? No, it taught me a lot about myself. Um, Turning 30 was a huge game changer um, between getting married, the house, all this crap. And it really puts things into perspective for you as a woman. You know, that that biological clock is ticking. I want to have kids. I want to have kids. But I'm looking at him, I can't have kids with you. You're not reliable. So it gave me the opportunity to really, was my 20s wasted? No, not at all. I think if I had kids before this point in my life, um, it would have been an absolute disaster. Right. I would have been a disaster. My career would have gone to shit. Um, I don't think I would have been a good parent, to be honest with you. I think I would have sucked. Yeah. I totally would have sucked. Um, I
0: agree with you on that. I'm the same way. I showed up to the ball game really late. In life, yeah. I got married, you know, in my late thirties. I got, I, I had my first child, you know, when I was almost forty. Like, I yeah. and I can't imagine, I if I had done it before, it would have not been right. Right. I, I would have, I couldn't have done it no. then, like the way I'm doing it now.
1: I, I think so. I'm glad it happened that way. I'm kind of, I, I don't, I don't regret it at all. In fact, I. I couldn't be more grateful for everything that I learned from my ex-husband. In turn, growing up with him, right. I appreciate the experience. I've let go of all the anger and angst from the divorce and separation. And I owe that to the gym, to be honest with How you. How hard is that to let go of? Um, it's extremely hard. So funny story. He had gone into a kind of not as I, I guess it was a fairly serious uh, snowmobiling accident. I want to say it was a couple winters ago. Harjee and I went to Jamaica august two years ago so it was i think the january following that so almost two years now he had called me out of the blue and he had said oh listen i got into a snowmobiling accident i've gone for physio i've gone for this i've gone for that um all of i haven't been able to move my shoulder is there any way you treat me i'm quiet for a second i'm like yeah it's fine i'll treat you haven't spoken to this man in years haven't seen him don't give a shit divorce is settled but you know what? I will, I will gladly treat you. I'll pay you. I'll pay you. Like I have benefits. I'm like, yeah. Imagine that finally, with my <laughs> license on there and my name, knowing that I was once on your insurance policy. Yeah, no, I'm good. Thanks. He goes, no, no, seriously, I'll pay. You. I'm like, I don't need your damn money, Kevin. Just come get treatment. Yeah. Fine. He shows up here, and my girlfriend up the hallway, who I went to Jamaica with, sees him. She's like, what the fuck is he doing here? What is he doing here? I'm like, I'll, I'll talk to you later, about just later. Yeah. She goes. Bottom line, I couldn't have him go to the clinic. I think my business partner would have rode, like driven over him with the truck and my staff would have paper cut him till he bled to death or hooked him up with every tens unit and cranked it. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, I'm just glad he came here. So I treated him, whatever I did. Accu, I did Graston. I did a bunch of ART on him, did a lot of deep tissue. He was freaking out thinking I was trying to hurt him on purpose. Let's be honest. Treatment with me is not fun. It hurts. Um, We actually went for dinner afterwards, and you can see he was very remorseful. He felt bad. He was very grateful for treatment. We had gone for sushi, came back home, thought nothing of it, didn't hear from him for two, three days. He calls me, and he tells me, I'm coming back to work tomorrow. I'm like, what? He goes, I'm going back to work. He goes, I swear to God, I have 95% of my mobility back in my shoulder. He goes, I don't know what the hell you did. He goes, but I swear to God, you're a miracle worker. I'm like, you're welcome. He goes, no, honestly, thank you. I'm like, you're welcome. Doing my job. Yeah. And that's what it came I was just doing my job. So letting go of that anger and that angst. I don't think I would, I had to treat him to prove to myself that not only was I completely over it and him, that I don't harbor that anger, that resentment towards him. I just don't. I don't, I don't feel a need for that. I've become so empathic towards other people that I cannot know you from a hole in the ground. I could just sense your energy. I could feel that you're off. You're just all with, is everything okay? Yeah. This one random woman just unload on me before I even start my workout. I'm like, I was there. I was meant to be there for an hour and a half to get my workout in, I didn't get anything done because I sat there and played psychologist with her in the hallway. And it didn't bother me that I didn't get my workout in. It bothered me to know that somebody was going through this within the confines of their mind. I don't understand why people are not capable of getting over things. And it's not to say, oh, just get over it, walk it off. I feel like I sound like Miss Galasky, my high school gym teacher, like, just walk it off. It's not about walking it off. It's about coming to terms with what is, knowing that you can't change what has happened. The only thing that you have control over, and never mind everything that's currently going on in your life, is your reaction to that. And how are you going to participate with that? You could choose to participate or you could choose to change your perception. It's all about perspective. And those are very three powerful Ps that I live by. Can I do anything about this? No. Okay, so how am I going to react? One of my best friends was murdered in the middle of the summer. And I cried over it. A month after the fact. And, and it's funny because I always have this feeling of unsettled, like he's always around, but not unsettled in the sense that, oh, because you haven't mourned it. You haven't gotten over it. I've gotten over what is. It's my perception of what is and how am I going to choose to react to it. I can't change anything. So am I going to choose to dwell and bury myself in sorrow? That's the last thing he wants for me. So you can either choose to harbor resentment and anger or you could choose to let it go. I chose to let it go. And as much as you think, oh, I miss that person, do you in fact miss that person or do you miss the idea of what that person meant to you? Right. That position that they played, whether they're your big spoon or your small spoon, what is it that you miss? What is it that you miss about them? I think for anyone going through any sort of heartache, whether it be because of a loss of a loved one, because you're divorcing them or because they've passed, really in turn, It's what are you going to do and how are you going to react for the betterment of yourself? My reaction was to start going to the gym. Initially, it was like, fuck him, I look fantastic and I don't give a shit. And then it became, you know what? No, I'm doing this for me. And really, that's why I do it now. Even currently, the guy I'm dating now thinks I look phenomenal. He hasn't trained can care less about it you're 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 he goes when he said you're dating a hot guy from or a a dad from Oakville with dad bod I'm like oh shut up I'm like (laughs) like I personally that doesn't matter to me this matters to me because I do it for my mental sanity I do it for my physical health
0: you're super self-aware
1: yeah you have
0: to be did you go on a quest to become self-aware or like how did you I feel like a lot of people don't even recognize that they're not self-aware when they're not self-aware. Yeah. Or you recognize I'm not self-aware, but you don't do anything about it. You don't know what to do about it. Like, I. Om- but I almost feel like it was natural, just just by hearing you talk. Unless you decided like I'm gonna read every fucking mind science, mindfulness <laughs> science book. I'm gonna yeah. go to hear a whole bunch of talk. Like, or is this just a natural thing for you?
1: I read books, um, but I'm like, it sounded like I wrote it. I'm like, hey, give me something different because I, st- I still don't feel better. And it was like, then I had my sister who I lived with for, oh God bless her. I lived with Claude for just over a year, a year and a few months. And she's a psychotherapist and she'd sit down at the table with me and we would talk about things. And she's like, you know, it's okay to stay home and do nothing. You know, you don't have to get up and leave in the morning. Cause I leave at like quarter to seven in the morning, go to the gym, do my thing and then be gone till like nine o'clock at night. 9.30 sometimes. When I was in prep, it was doubles. So I'd go to the gym in the morning, go to the gym at night, and then go home. So I was right, getting right. home till 10.30. She never saw me. So much so, I think I barely showered at the house because I was showering at the gym. Right? <laughs> like, what, what the fuck I come here for? <laughs> <laughs> I was just sleep in my car in the parking lot. Yeah, really. <laughs> right? Honestly, it would have been cheaper, right? <laughs> but you know what? It was it was one of those things where she'd sit down and she was you know, it's okay to just be. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be all these things because even when I was with my, my ex-husband, um, I hate calling my ex-husband. He has a name, Kevin. Um, even when I was with Kevin, I hated the fact that he was the only thing that would bring the worst out in me. Cause even in our circle of friends at that time, I was the happiest person I knew, but he would bring the worst out in me or make me feel the worst of any human being I knew. And that to me was gut wrenching. I'm like, how the fuck am I married to this? Why am I with this person? Yeah. Um, whether feeling like I'm being denied love that I'm deserving of or being rejected or just never feeling like I was good enough. So I felt like even when I would started going to the gym, there was that sense of camaraderie. Like, yo, hey, how's it going? First thing, they didn't care what you look like when you go into the gym in the morning. I look like a bag of shit. No makeup done. You're lucky if I put my hair up in a pineapple, I have this, <laughs> this ugly colored band on my head. I literally look like a hoodlum. Like, you do not want to cross my path. And it's like, there's just this this sense of you're, you're welcomed. We're all here with a common course. We're here to better ourselves. And whether it's to better yourself aesthetically or it's genuinely, genuinely for health. I think for myself, my self-awareness was, I kind of grew into it. And it's not that I was never as self-aware then as I am now. It's just, it was okay to deny myself that happiness. In our household growing up, as my mom was a single parent, five girls, um, God rest my father's soul, he barely helped my mom with anything financially. So I got to watch my mom struggle growing up. And I made a promise to her when I turned 25. I remember that morning getting up and going to sit at the table with her. And as per usual, she'd make me breakfast. And she had a birthday cake baked for me, home uh, homemade cake. And she says to me, you know, I'm proud of you. I'm like, why? She goes, out of all your sisters, I know I don't have to worry about you. You'll be fine financially and you'll be strong and you'll be healthy the rest of your life. And I know this. And I'm like, mom, what are you talking about? She goes, who knew the student would be better than the teacher? That's what it translates to. And I'm like, that really stuck with me. So it's been my mission to maintain my happiness and my strength and my health and literally just to be happy because I saw my mom not directed towards us, but be miserable the vast majority of her life because of how my father basically abandoned her with us Mm -hmm. and how he treated her. You know, my dad was a lot of things. He was a horrible husband and not a good father, but he was a good man. Go figure. You know, so anyone who met me, oh, your dad's so solid, such a good guy. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I could say that in front of my mom. <laughs> She'll give you <laughs> a friggin' ear fill. Um, but honestly, like I grew into being self-aware and I was even more so self-aware. I found even as a child with little things and it was okay to be the sacrificial lamb. It was okay to be a martyr. It was okay. You're supposed to be. Well, No. I'm not going to sacrifice my happiness anymore and I'm not going to be the sacrificial lamb. And damn straight, if there's one cookie left in the tray, I'm going to eat the damn cookie if I want it. No, 20 of us are going to be eyeing it. I'm going to be the one to reach for it if I want it. And its I'm tired of everyone thinking that you need to, you need to compromise. No, when it comes to certain things, yes, you need to compromise. But in relationships, you don't compromise. You either love that person as they are yeah. and accept that. They are the way they are and hope, and you know, assuming nothing is going to change, you're good going in with that. But if you get to the table and you know, I want to change this, this, and this, like for instance, he thinks I want him to be fit. The guy I'm dating now, I can, I don't really give a shit. Right. He, um, he thinks I have an issue with the height. I did initially. I can't make you grow buddy. You're 48 you growing another age. <laughs> <inch. laughs> but honestly, he fulfills me as a human being. I want nothing about him as a human being to change. And I can say that now that I might change my mind in a year. Who knows if I'll even be with him in a year. But right now, this is what it is. It makes me happy now. It's good for me right now. It doesn't take from my life. It adds to my life. I think we allow a lot of people and things to take from our lives versus adding to it. And not in the physical aspect of it being something that you can physically touch. Nothing that actually is tangible. It's literally how it makes you feel either add energy to my life or you're an energy sucker. Yeah, I used to have a
0: whole bunch of friends way back when and they would always be in and out of relationships or always trying to figure out should I stay with this person? Or not? And I, I always bust yeah. out the happiness scale. I'm like, listen, it's a happiness scale. Your happiness should always outweigh your unhappiness 100%. all the time. If it's balanced, it sucks. And uh, go with that is what I used to do. And then I also used to tell them the same idea, the same concept that you're yeah. saying here. Like, you can't change anybody. You no. accept them or you don't. So I always used to, my words were always, listen, you take the good with your bad and your yeah. wrong with it. And if that's what you're going to do, you roll with it and you shut your face. Like there's there's nothing to complain about. Assume
1: nothing's going to change. Are you okay? My thing is assume that nothing is going to change. Are you okay with things being like this the rest of your life? Yes. And that's how I based my decision with my ex-husband. I'm like, okay, I got to assume nothing is going to change. He's going to shove his penis in somebody else yet again. And am I okay with this? You know, am, am I okay with this? This is his MO. We know this. Am I okay with this? No, I'm not. Okay, am I okay with him? Did you ever at
0: some point convince yourself that you are okay with that? Ooh, you're making this face. You're making this face like, should I say this? Should I not say this?
1: I've, 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 you know what? Someone will be like, you know what she told me? (laughs) You know what? If he had come to me, and I didn't know the girl, for instance, but I knew this girl very well, fed her all kinds of, like we were the closest of friends, like just, it's like Judas. But anyways, I had said to him, if the girl you had cheated on me with had one up on me, I think I would have been able to let it go. Mm. And I says, what do you even mean by one up? If she was prettier, had a better body than me, was smarter, um, made more money. Mm-hmm. I would understand.
0: Like what took you down that road when what, I'm what, here? What,
1: yeah. What, what brought you there? Yeah. And he had given me the analogy and it was like, it was like a double-edged sword. He had said to me, you get sick of eating filet mignon every day. Sometimes you just want to go to Burger King. And I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? Yeah, yeah. So here, you, here I am struggling my entire life to be the best, to, to fulfill what everyone's expectation of me is, my expectations of myself. And it essentially, how many times have you? You're absolutely perfect strive, apparently you accomplished that, even though I still think there's plenty of room of growth, plenty of room for me to grow. And even then, and that still led you astray. You know, there were nights um, he would wake up in the middle of the night. He suffered with uh, ankylosing spondylitis, uh, HLA-B27 positive, uh, skipped his dad. He got it from his grandfather. His grandfather had the gene, but it was inactive in him. Uh, his brother has a gene inactive in him. Um, if you guys don't remember, go back and check your pathology. skipped skips generations. Um, it's like, what's the reverse of that Marie Strumpel? But he had ankylosing spondylitis, and it started off with SI joint irritation. He eventually fused. Um, all the while, still treating him, not really knowing what's going on because we didn't think he had anything. Right. Uh, eventually, he is L three, L four had fused. He was fused up to his L two, if I'm not mistaken. How
0: fast did that happen from SI um, to, to mid L?
1: Um, it took about four years. Um, It was like a slow progression. Eventually, we found out what was wrong with him. Uh, They put him on Humira eventually, which we had to go through compassionate care to get it covered before it was covered through his benefits. That's another long how you get that shit covered because it's $1,700 a month. It's a shot every two weeks. Um, Very, very expensive medication. Needless to say, uh, it slowed down the progression. if, If anything, it actually stopped it. But... He would wake up in the middle of the night and he would need treatment. Like, not that he would need it, but I'd feel bad. I'd massage him till he'd fall asleep. You know, when you're up and you're moving, legit, standing next to a bed, treating somebody, you're up now. You're awake. Yeah. He's passed out, gone to sleep, and I'm now up the rest of the night. And I'm like, this is this is bullshit, but at least he's sleeping. Like, there are certain things that I will do for the person I'm with. I'll, I'll do anything for a loved one, a friend. It doesn't matter I'll sever my left arm, not my right. My right is going with me. Um, <laughs> besides be really messy, you know, I'm not ambidextrous that way. <laughs> the right's just a cleaner cut, right? Like, so like, I, I'm really willing to do just about anything for that person. I'm like, really? So yeah, I justified it a lot of ways because I thought, did I fall short? You know, and initially I thought, okay, maybe it was a year that my mom got sick and she went through surgery. And my dad died that same year. Then a year later, my sister had Ah, ankylo- uh, She ended up with... Um, uh, think, Olivia. Guillain-Barre. Mm-hmm. Um, she ended up with Guillain-Barre, and she was paralyzed from the neck down. Whoa. Thank God it didn't affect her lungs. It didn't go that far. But I took three months off at work to stay bedside with her at the hospital. That also taught me a lot. You know, it's like to wipe a full-grown adult's ass.
0: Yeah. I recently had to my father recently had emergency abdominal surgery they removed a third of his small intestines and you know changing the the 84 year old man's diaper while he's lying in in icu bed yeah you know actually this is one part of my life that i think is really strange for me and i never anticipated it it's really not feeling like my life is my own because i have two small children and because I have two elderly parents, it's like,
1: whoosh, it's, yeah. it's not mine. They say uh, once a man, twice a child. And that, uh, <laughs> that really, um, that for me was a big thing. Like, okay, like this is kind of gross. I'm like, okay, hey, well, I can get over this. Okay, I'll take time off of work and three months bedside with my sister. And she eventually wound up at uh, West Park. Um, and the doctors didn't understand how she was back up on her feet literally within two and a half months. Well, when you have your baby sister massaging you, tens unating you, and literally doing whatever she can to make sure the muscles don't atrophy, yep. how is she walking? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're getting treatment every day. I tried to make sure she had as normal life as possible at the hospital, including taking her downstairs, too. They had a hair, a hair salon downstairs, getting her hair colored, getting it cut so she wouldn't feel gross. I'd friggin' shave her. Um, I even, you know waxed her down there because yeah. i'm like that's embarrassing dude you're spread eagle every day practically for these doctors or nurses when they come to sponge bath you yeah i'm like you know what let's just make sure hey, clean. Not- i'm gonna clean this yeah, up yeah because it's just not right i'm like <laughs> what is going on down there <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> maybe in the far east but not here <laughs> where's, <laughs> no, no. where's my machete <laughs> Like, <ew. laughs> Ooh. 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 the visions <laughs> oh my god um so you try to make sure the person has as normal life as possible. Right. And because I was so immersed in having to deal with, you know, my mom being sick, then my dad dying and then then my sister getting sick. Like, was it because I wasn't around? Was I being neglectful towards you? No. You know, because whenever I did see you, I tried to make sure, quote unquote, you were taken care of, you know, like. At what point. Where did I go wrong? So I'm sitting there justifying it. There's all these things. And you can tell, as you can see, I found uh, ample reasons that I tried to justify it. There's no reason for that. Yeah. There's no justification for that. You can't make excuses for someone. Even when someone decides to let them go, let themselves go, that also is still not okay. It's not okay to A, let yourself go. I don't think it ever is. But if your partner has, it's not okay for you to turn your eye and start looking elsewhere. That's not okay. If there's an issue with how your partner looks or you're not attracted to them, tell them. Fucking tell them. And if they're not listening, tell them again. Get them a fucking gym membership. Fly their asses to Columbia and get them liposuction. You do what you need to do as that partner to maintain that so you're still attracted to them. And even though the aesthetic isn't should be, but it's a big component. It's the reason why nowadays people are either swiping left or right. The aesthetic is a massive component. I have to wake up to you. I have to go to sleep with you and hopefully somewhere in between perform. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but I have to wake up to that. Not to mention you have to face yourself every day. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, where did I go wrong? I'm like, I, I look at myself every day. I thought I looked fine. I thought I was okay. I wasn't. No. And that's a whole nother topic within itself. it was, you know, I want to wanna go to Burger King on occasion. Well, dude, that's Burger King. Like, it, it almost looks like you went to a back alley and rifled through the goddamn trash can. Like, yeah. what were you thinking? So, you know, I justified it and it took a massive psychological hit. Like I did. Like, it was just, what the fuck is going on? What did I miss? And I, I can never sit there and say... I didn't blame myself. I blamed myself for a long while. I think that's why I was able to kind of sort of salvage and pick up the pieces and stay with him. And, but yeah, no three years later, we end up revisiting the same thing and I'm like, Hey, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. And the second time around, it wasn't a full fledged, you know, affair, but it, I'm pretty certain it would have led to that. But I was like, you know what? Yeah, no, at this
0: point, it, who, who even cares? Right. Right. I'm done.
1: So yeah, I, I was done. I was done. There was a lot of stuff in between too, where, Okay, a lot of people would have up and left, but, like, okay, it's just the typical shitty human behavior, and that's what I always chopped it up to, is this shitty human behavior. Just be better than that. Always be better than that. Kill them with your kindness. Kill them with love. Okay, well, bitch, I've drowned you ten times in my love. Now what? Like, like, fuck, I held your head underwater. Like, bitch, like, (laughs) drown them with love. It's not working. (laughs) I don't know. So it's it kind of that's that's kind of where I kind of went down this gym craze kind of path and
0: so now enter the gym give this to me because it like I said it's not like you're a Monday Wednesday Friday and maybe I'll do some cardio and some light maybe I'll do a Zumba class (laughs) It's, it's not one of those no
1: it started off ultra ultra light like the first few months was kind of like Okay, let me just start creating a schedule for myself. Okay, maybe I could commit to, like, it was stupid. I'd get there, walk on the treadmill for a half hour. Okay, at least that was something. Okay, go to work. And then it was, okay, let me dabble in the weight section, even though I don't know how the hell I'm doing at this point. Let's give this a go. Then January rolled around, and, you know, I had trained previous with a trainer and was for a very short period of time. Like um, you hired a personal trainer? I I did I did Norvik uh, Norvik uh, Chenko, he's uh he was my saving grace um, he had just started at that location at Good Life at Western Road and Highway Seven and I'm like I knew all the staff already at this point because I'd walk in buzzing off my pre workouts so I was like Libby's here so I literally I'm like who's that kid in the corner like oh that's Norvik he's new here I'm like oh I'm gonna go introduce myself to him so I went and introduced myself to him and as I was walking he goes by the way you looking for a trainer I'm like no he goes oh. I'm like, no one's asked. He goes, do you want to do sessions with me? Like, I don't know, six months. I'm like, sign me for a year. I was the quickest sale in good life on the face of the planet. Like he goes, okay, how many times a week? I don't know, two, three times a week, I guess. (laughs)
0: Like
1: how are we supposed to do this, right? So when I train with him on three days a week, which ended up being Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I would go to the gym the days in between and repeat whatever I did with him last week on a different body part. And then I started talking to a bodybuilder who I became the best of friends with, um, Alan Mahanovic, and a girlfriend from also from actually was a patient who became a girlfriend of mine, Maria. She was doing figure and he used men's bodybuilding. And I was like, you know what, I'll come watch you guys at your competition. So I went and watched and you're all inspired and all these people and ooh, wow. And I saw Fuad Abiyad for the first time in my life. And I'm like, He's a big boy. I'm like, wow. I'm like, that's incredible. I'm like, do you think I get him on my table? <laughs> yeah, no, he's probably got his own therapist. Watch. I'll get him on my freaking table. You guys are going to see, I'm going to get that man on my table. And all of a sudden these figure women go up on stage and I'm like, wow, look at them. <laughs> and not in that weirdo kind of awkward, I might be discovering I'm in a lesbo sort of way because I'm not, <laughs> but I was like, I want to be like that. Like there's like jaw dropping. These women were stunning. Yeah. Like, and Maria had won the overall in women's figure. I think she won the women's overall, period. Um, but, oh my God, just breathtaking. I'm like, you think I could do that?
0: That was it for you, eh? That
1: was it. I'm like, they're like, yeah, you can do that eventually in a few years. Like, relax. You, you just started training. I'm like, watch me. <laughs> so, as God was my witness, the following year, but this time it wasn't at the Living Arts Center. It was at the International Center. Um, end up competing there. My first comp. I end up on stage there. And that was going back, technically, what, three years ago now. And then I went and did provincials the following year because I made it through. Um, I was competing against a lot of national level competitors.
0: Can you can you give our audience because we've done a couple with people that have done shows, but mm-hmm. you know, hopefully everyone listens to everything. But can you give them the breakdown of the different categories for for women?
1: So there's women's bikini, um, which is the smaller, really pretty. They're more concerned about button basically with the back side. Yeah. Yes, pretty much. Um, then you have fitness, um, which is the girls will go up and do like all kinds of random backflips and really just showing off their athleticism, literally athleticism within its peak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have uh, women's figure and then you have women's body bodybuilding, which is physique. Um, so I decided to do figure because I already, walking into the gym, had a fairly large back stature from just doing massage for right. so many years but i was like i like the look of a figure model i didn't want to do bikini because i just thought like well, just you're pretty yeah. okay and what um and not that these women aren't strong they just didn't look strong to me right. they looked pretty exactly i wanted you to wanted pre- a
0: certain amount of muscularity yeah
1: that- i wanted to look like superwoman like i want to walk in there and be like yeah she's pretty but she can kick your ass mm-hmm. like that's what i wanted that's what i wanted to attain. want Kind of went in and managed to do that. Like I remember looking at Norvick when I'd started with him before I decided I wanted to compete. I said, listen, I want to be able to do a chin up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He goes, okay, what else? I said, I want to be able to push four plates aside. He's like, okay, what else? I "I need to put weight on and I want to sleep. Okay. So within a week, he, within two weeks, he had me pushing four plates aside. Within three months, had me pushing eight plates aside on the leg press, um, which eventually went up to 10, um. Chin ups, I, I pop them out like they're going out of style now. It's like it's a joke because people with my size, you generally don't think, especially as a woman, there's too much mass on my body to lift it. I lift it, no problem. Nice. Um, So everything I wanted to do, I now can do. And it was persistence. It didn't happen overnight. And there's a lot of women I meet at the gym. They're like, oh, just you look great, but I don't want to be that muscular. <laughs> Trust me, you won't, honey. Yeah. It takes a lot of work this, to this, get this big. This it is, really
0: does. This is a whole other beast here to yeah. get to this. So that your personal trainer that whole time, Mm -hmm. did you did you also
1: get another coach for your? For the following show, I did. um, But your personal trainer kind of was your. No, he was my coach. Norvik was was my coach. Um, He gave me a diet plan, um, you know, a supplement protocol, um, even a sleep protocol. Yeah. Like you need to be sleeping x amount of hours minimum a night, and if you're not getting that, if you have an opportunity to nap through the day, you need to take a nap. Constant check-ins throughout the day. How are you feeling? When you're working in such a deficit um, and you eventually hit a certain body fat, your hormones are out of whack. Yeah. You're miserable. You're tired. You're cranky. It would take something as small as hearing a song to set you off. Mm-hmm. I remember being on the treadmill doing my work, uh, my cardio after my workout with Norvik, And I was listening to uh, what came on my playlist. It was Seven Years by Lucas Graham. And I'm running, doing my hit, and the song comes on and there's one verse where he says, You know, when I'm sixty years old when my children come and visit and I, I the thought of my mother crossed my mind and I was sobbing mm. like a child on the treadmill. Like and thank God I was facing the window so nobody in the gym can actually see me. But I was already drenched from my from my session with Norvik. I'm like, I'm glad no one can see that I'm bawling my eyes out but I end up messaging Norvik from the treadmill dude I'm unconsolable <laughs> right now I need a hug he goes what's the matter I'm like honey where are you I'm like I'm on the treadmill he came in to find me he goes are you okay I'm like no it's a song I can never listen like from the, for a good six months I could not listen to that song without literally sobbing uncontrollably yeah. to a point where the staff would panic when the song would come out <laughs> in the clinic and will change the station okay just turn it down turn it down
0: <laughs> like it's like Silver Linings playbook right that Stevie Wonder song that sets oh, off uh, oh my God Bradley Cooper's character It's
1: just like what happened I'm like this is so wrong it and it's hard like my coach like Norvick was phenomenal with me I thought I was going through starvation diet because I didn't clearly I didn't know it was my first time around I think that ultimately I would have felt that way with anybody being my coach the first time around like this is it this is all I get to eat and then you want me to do how much cardio? Like I was doing two hours of cardio a day on the stairs. Um I'd do an hour in the morning, an hour at night, an hour, hour and a half of weight training. However long it took me to get through my weights, so I had to get through it. It it's it's crazy commitment. It's not a normal level of commitment. I had to prove to myself, A, that I wasn't commitaphobe. I thought I could never commit to anything again. Yeah. After marriage, I'm like, fuck this, I'm not committing to anything. Like I I was actually able to commit. I had to make sure I could commit to something for myself and see it through. I was working literally seven days a week. Yeah. Um, so training seven days a week, even though he insisted I had a rest day. He played stalker. Norvik played stalker, tried to make sure I wasn't at the gym the seventh day because I shouldn't be there for the seventh <laughs> day. I was supposed to be resting. He's like, yo, did Olivia show up at the gym? Tell her to go home. Tell her to go home. <laughs> or he'd message me, I know you're at the gym. I'm like... How the fuck does he, he know I'm here? Where is he? <laughs> How does he know? Go home. <laughs> Hun, you need rest. Go home. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, keep going. I'm like, you're still there. Go home. I'm like, what the hell? Where is he? <laughs> That's awesome. I'm like, fuck. But honestly, going into something like a competition, you need a coach. You need someone to hold you accountable. I yeah. think... We all need someone to hold us accountable, especially if you know you're not one to decide to do something for yourself and stick to it. We very readily hold ourselves accountable in this industry because we know if we don't do something, it's going to be oh, a cookie I ate or it's that extra few almonds I had or everything is logged. Everything is accounted for. You know you're having 135 grams of chicken breast. You know it's exactly 130 grams of oatmeal. You're counting out your sprigs of asparagus. It's. You no, know, you can't have spices on your food because you know they're going to bloat you. You're intolerant to them. No, you can't have ketchup. There's calories in ketchup. There's five grams of sugar per tablespoon. Did you know that, folks? Don't have it. Just don't do it. Um, there are certain sweeteners. They make you retain water. They behave like sugars in the body. Um, okay, well, it's just a little bit of sugar. no. No, because your lines, when you show up in front of your coach, are not going to be present in your muscles. Your striations are not going to be visible. Because for every carbohydrate you consume, you're retaining four grams of water. So you just went on a tangent. You think, oh, I just had 100 extra carbs today. No, that's 400 grams of water. That's that's almost a pound of water you're carrying. Your coach is going to see that. You're not going to appear as dry. You're in shit. Follow it to a T. What were you weighing and what was your body fat before... and then what
0: was, what was it at competition, Ooh, if you remember? Okay,
1: so when I started training, training, even by myself, I was 127 pounds walking into the gym. Right. But we knew that my happy medium weight before divorce, before the stress, buck I 45. was 145. Yeah. Um, my body fat, even at 127, um, was sitting at about 23%. So it was a happy, healthy, yeah. kind of, sort of low. Jumping on stage the first time, I was sitting at a buck 47. Um body fat was at 7%. Nice. Second time around, second show, I weighed in at a buck 51. Um body fat was at 6%. Right on. So, just a little bit bigger, a little bit drier. Yeah. Um my second coach had me doing uh oh my god. I think it was 145 minute session and a half an hour session of cardio. Like that's that to me was next to nothing. It was a joke. Yeah. Um my training remained the same. He gave me what workouts he wanted me to do, certain areas he wanted me to focus on. So when did you decide to, to switch over with your coach? Um, It was kind of a mutual decision uh, between myself and Norvik because he's like, well, if you're moving on to the next level, like I only really want to do you for entry goals. I didn't even really want to coach you either, but you insisted on me doing <laughs> it for you. <laughs> so it's, it's up to you if you want to do another show with me. I said, you know what, it's probably better off that I find another coach. Mm-hmm. So I'd started off with Melanie Horton, uh, who's an IFBB pro. She's actually Woodbridge's first IFBB pro, uh, who is a patient and friend of mine. Um, she started prepping me for my second competition uh, 20 weeks out. Um, I actually went down to the Arnold's to watch her compete. She did phenomenal. Um, I thought she looked absolutely amazing. Uh, shortly thereafter, our return back here post Arnold's, she was in prep for another competition. Um, and I think it was just, I was like, Prepping somebody while you yourself are in prep and have a full-time job and have a family yeah. um, its a bit much. So I ended up signing up with Jay. Um, Jay Prasad, who's a holistic nutritionist, um, does a lot of physio, does a lot of stuff. He's he's an interesting character. He prepped me for the second show, and it was super, super easy and far less stressful than the first show as I think it is for any competitor. Um, Every time you do a show, it's less stressful. You know what to expect. You know that you're probably going to deal with some form of sleep apnea or you're going to deal with some sort of insomnia um, because of the tightness that happens in the body. I was like, really? some a lot of competitors develop sleep apnea uh, and that's because the intercostals become so tight that they're actually impinging on the lungs that in itself is enough to cause sleep apnea (laughs) which is crazy right um even when competitors go to bulk in their off season you will end up with sleep apnea The, the sheer weight of your own body is crushing down on you um the insomnia is because you're working uh through a deficit your body goes through a state of duress it doesn't want you to sleep because it thinks you're not going to wake up like, bitch, you're starving me. and Now you want me to sleep. You've yeah. done all this. now. You want me to sleep. I've been trying to keep you alive the whole day while you are functioning. And now you want to sleep. No. So you think, oh, okay, I'm exhausted. I'll sleep. Well, I've trained for three and a half hours today. I'm going to. Oh, not to mention work to 12 hour day. I'll sleep. No, no. So then you start tinkering into things. What can I take to sleep? And you're like, OK, well, you know, you have you have the extremes. So you have the extremes where, and when I say the extremes where people, you kind of do drugs you really shouldn't do to sleep. And then you have the the ones of us who will, you know, let's try the Rolora, let's try the melatonin, let's try the sleepy time pill that they sell at Shoppers Drug Mart by Remedy Time. And trust me, I tried them all. And when those stop working, you start, okay, well, what else am I going to do? So you end up finding, you know, a cannabis oil. Let me, let me smoke that through a pen. Let me, let me go to sleep. Maybe that will work. When that stops working, you start grasping at straws. What can I do now? Then when people start, you know, suggesting that you roofie yourself to sleep, like, what? Yeah. Like, take Liquid G. I'm like, what? You want me? I'm, I do this to myself. Yeah. Isn't this <laughs> supposed to happen to me at a bar? Like, and then what happens, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, am I supposed to be by myself? Like, and then what happens? So I roofie myself and I go to sleep. And that's the only way I'm going to sleep. So, you know. It's unfortunate because you start to become literally loopy. I remember during my first prep, I was on my third night of no sleep. Oh, wow. I honestly thought I was going to kill myself. I was begging God to come and take me. And I remember sitting upstairs and everything kind of echoes through here. And it was April and these lofts get really freaking warm upstairs. So the window was cracked down here. I had the fireplace just on, just enough to so blow around slightly warmish kind of air, but keep it cool in here at the same time. And so I can hear at two o'clock in the morning, almost three o'clock, you know, I can hear the cars trickling past on the highway. It's not very busy during the week. And I'm like, I just want to sleep. God, I just want to sleep. So I went and ran a tub and put lavender in there. And I, I literally started to lose my shit. I was going crazy. So I messaged a few people I knew through the circuit who, unfortunately, know how <laughs> to get their hands on some, you know, elicit some illegal right, narcotics. Right. Um so I liquid myself finally on the fourth night to sleep, but it was the best sleep I had on the face of the planet. And I'm not saying those of us who suffer with, you know, um, insomnia should be doing that. But sometimes dude, you need to sleep. Yeah. And it's not that I, I became addicted to it. No, when it normally came down to, okay, this is my third night of no sleep. Okay. I'm going to take a cap and I'm going to go to bed. I, I openly admit that because people like, you did what? You know what? Drug test me. I'm clean at this point. And I'm like, you know what? It wasn't because I was addicted. It was, I need to fucking sleep. I need to get through the last three weeks of prep. I need to sleep. But the second time prep around was super easy. Sleep was normal. I don't think my body was as stressed because it knew what to expect. We always say muscle has memory. No, memories are stored cellularly, which is the incredible part. So certain things you associate a certain scent with a certain person you don't like cellularly, your body's going to remember that. So the same way your body would have reacted and you would have released cortisol, your body will release cortisol due to the same stressor unless you recreate that memory cellularly for yourself, kind of like your experiences. So kind of going through prep, there is... That cellular impression that is stored within the cell, or that memory that's stored within the cell, so it's not so bad the second time around. Everyone always asks, "Will you compete again?" I think I will, just not anytime soon. I think right now I'm just going to coast and continue to train, try to bring out my legs, and maybe hit the stage again in a few years. Maybe after I have a kid, that will be my goal: yeah. get back on stage.
0: Would you ever? Would you ever consider coaching? Or do you, um, like, do you feel like, hey, I know enough of this stuff now that I can coach? Or do you think you're? Not I at that think spot?
1: I know enough to get somebody into a Healthy state gotcha I know enough to get somebody ready for a coach so because you don't want to show up to your coach being an absolute cluster fuck disaster yeah. because I'm like oh my god this is a project in a half I know enough to get because I don't feel not that because everybody does a show and then all of a sudden now you're an online coach yeah okay so you competed twice and what else what else do you know exactly um a lot of coaches lack kind of the full gamut like the psychological aspect of things and even though they themselves have gone through preps clearly themselves are not aware enough to come outside of themselves and be like, Hey, how's my athlete feeling right now? Yeah. Why are they feeling this way? Do they feel like they're being deprived? What are their issues before hand going into a prep? I think there almost needs to be a, a precursor. There has to be a coach before the coach. So be like, okay, listen. She had uh, eating disorders. These are her triggers. Uh, these are the stressors in her life. This is really what her lifestyle is about. This is what her blood work looks like. We don't have those precursors going in. This is, okay, I'm an athlete. I want to go on stage. That's all you got. You don't know whether or not I was bulimic, anorexic, or you don't know what my issues are going in. You don't even know me as a person to be like, okay, hey, if I say the following things to her, this is going to trigger her, and she's going to go have a cheat meal and not tell me. You're not going to know that this, this athlete going in actually eats in secrecy. You're not going to know what is, what is, what are their triggers? Yeah, these random bullshit questionnaires that they give you before they take you on, but you don't know the person. Yeah, yeah. So you almost need someone to know the athlete going in before they get sent to a coach. So I have a lot of my athletes now who want to go and compete, especially the younger ones who will be like, okay, can you think of a good coach? For me? I'm like, okay, no, 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 no. I could think of literally 20 coaches off the top of my head, but I have one who's good for you. I know he'll be able to work with you. You guys are a perfect fit. So it's almost like being a matchmaker. Yeah. You're almost and I play matchmaker. I want you to message this person. I'll give them a heads up that you're gonna message them. So they'll know they'll find you in their in their DM box or they'll text you back or like I feel that it also has to be about the fit. The prep really comes down to the fit. It's not just oh my coach. There has to be some sort of bond beyond that. They have to know you. And unfortunately, there's not enough time, I think, but in the time of a prep, because these coaches are taking on so many that they don't really have the time, nor do they want to take the time to really know their athletes and some, and some, in fact, they do. And a lot of them, it's just a business. And then for some of them, it is really about the athletes, but do you know enough? Exactly. Do you have the educational background to be like, okay, this person has issues?
0: Or especially like they may have a lot of athletes under their belt, but then, you know what, I'm really giving attention to people I know are going to go somewhere with this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, are you just doing it for shits and giggles? Are you doing it for a wedding? Never mind just going up on stage. Are you just doing because you have some random wedding to go to? There's there's nothing wrong with prepping for that either. Yeah. Or do you just want to do a photo shoot? So how lean do we really need to get you? How, quote unquote, dry do you need to be?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? So it's, it's all about what is the intention? What is the end result? And truthfully, is that coach a good fit for that athlete? And even better, even more so, is that athlete a good fit for that coach? Because you have some athletes that will drive their fucking coaches up the wall like drive them absolutely insane. I'm the one that if you don't respond to me for a couple of days, I'm okay with that. I'm going to do the work and I'm going to assume I probably know what you're going to say. So I'm going to go do what I think is best, right. even though I really don't want to do that, but I'm going to do what you're going to tell me to do. At least what I think you tell me to do. Yeah, yeah. Or you have the athlete who goes into absolute panic. Oh my God, it's been 10 minutes. They haven't emailed me back. <laughs> Calm the fuck down. They have like 30 athletes they're dealing with relax. Well, what should I do? Do the following. No, I have to wait to hear back from him. Oh my God, like really? Like I don't need to be babysat. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that going into this, you shouldn't necessarily have to rely on a personal trainer or a coach to attain a certain goal. Learn what you need to learn from them and carry it through by yourself. For sure. How many women I see going to, for instance, that lifetime who have been with the same trainers for the last two and a half years? And not that I don't see progression or change, but I don't ever see them working out by themselves. Yeah. Are you intimidated? Are you afraid? To go into the weight section by yourself, do you think you're not capable? Because even if you're with your trainer and you close your eyes, essentially you're, that's exactly what you'd be doing by yourself. Exactly. Like I don't, I don't, I don't understand that portion, that psychology behind it. Like, do they make you feel like you're so reliant on them, like you're, you're dependent on them, like you don't need them? You don't need them. Who cares? Go in and injure yourself on occasion. Just come and see me. After. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I, I'm the athlete who walks around the gym and I see people doing things with poor form, or they look like they're gonna hurt themselves. Like, whoa, whoa okay, hold on. Can I just show you something? And especially if it's a chick talking to a guy, they don't like that. They look at it like, bitch, you can tell me what to do. No, I, j- I just want to correct your form. <laughs> kind of sucks. You're going to hurt yourself. You are going to end up on my table. Mark my words. Now I've had this one guy. Oh my God. I love this one patient. It's a friend now. Um, super, super good guy. He was on the leg press and you can see he's locking out his knees at the top. Can you not like, stop right there. He's like, well, I'm like, okay, you don't have to put, bring your legs any further. Don't. You're gonna mess up your knees. Gave me the dirtiest, dirtiest look. It's okay, I got it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Who waltzes into my clinic three weeks later because his knees hurting him. And I can hear his voice from around the corner. It's very distinctive. I'm like, Oh, fuck (laughs) off. I peel my head out of the office. I'm like, You see, I told (laughs) told you so, motherfucker. He's like, Oh my God, they sent me to you. I'm like, apparently so. I treat everybody in Woodbridge, my friend, very, very bad. He goes, I fucked up my knee. I'm like, I figured as much. I figured as much. So now literally he's at, he's a regular at the clinic, whether he's coming to see me or the chiros or the physio, but he still, he, he now watches what he does. He has good form. He's training with the trainer on occasion. So his form's constantly on point but it's, it's so imperative. Like, do you need someone to hold you accountable? Do you need someone to babysit you? Like, what is your motive? Like, what is your motivation? Is it because you want to have, um, do you want to get up on stage or do you just want to be healthy? Do you just want to be aesthetically pleasing or do you really care what you look like? You just legit just want to be healthy. Yeah, yeah, Um, some people say, well, I just want to drop my cholesterol. Some are, I need to be here because my doctor won't perform plastic surgery on me until I, I lose, lose the, the weight.
0: 15 pounds.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. And how do you feel about that? Just need to get over and done with, okay, well, I can help you lose the weight, but do the following. Here's a routine for you. What do you, what do I owe you? Don't owe me nothing. Just here, give this a try. So I've kind of done semi coaching for people on the side, but I'm not charging for it. It's just here, try this. What do you think of the following supplements? Okay, try this. Don't take this at this hour. Take it at this hour. You're crashing. Take some L carnitine with some fats. Like it's, it's, it's basics and, I knew nothing before, like absolutely nothing. Whereas what do you think of the following supplements? This is what I think you should couple them with. This is when you should take them. This is what this will be good for. What's wrong with you? And one guy at the gym, he's like, you know, I've been taking magnesium oil and upsets my stomach. I'm like, you're giving yourself the shits. So you're probably taking too much of it. <laughs> Goes, oh no. But the guy said, okay, but magnesium's great for delayed onset muscle soreness if yeah. that's why you're taking it. So why are you taking it? Like, so there's certain things where you learn and you try to help people to the I, I try to help to the best of my ability, but if I don't know something, I have people who have the answers. Yeah, it's yeah, just a yeah. quick message. I'll find out for you. For me, the goal was just to be, initially was to be aesthetically pleasing enough that I can jump on stage with these women. And I made it. Then there you know, been there, done that now. Now it's like, hey, okay, what's the goal now?
0: What is the next stage of your life in general? Which by the way, I'm sitting here. Yeah. You do have this awesome energy. I can't stop smiling.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and your life is your I life. Have that effect on people.
0: <laughs> and your your life is super fascinating. What is the next stage for you then? What's the, the next, next stage? The next for big me, thing?
1: Honestly, um I I probably will compete, not this year coming, probably the following. I might have a kid. Um but even in having said that, if I do get pregnant, I wanna show people that it's okay to train while being pregnant. I think a lot of women just they stop at the gym and they end up with all these complications and no no, I'm gonna be that chick who's still lifting and still doing their cardio. I understand the stairs might be dangerous after a while. The stairmaster might be an issue. Um <laughs> but I want to show people that my fitness doesn't define me. I define fitness for myself. It really is about just being healthy, and it, that's that's my fire within. I just want to be healthy. I want to radiate. I want to glow. I don't I don't want to end up being old and saggy and not be able to get up from the floor and need somebody's assistance. And I just don't want someone wiping my ass.
0: Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Are you ever scared you're going to take it too far? No. How come?
1: No. Because
0: um... you do have this addictive
1: I do. Type of
0: thing going on?
1: I do. So in my mission to better health and being aesthetically pleasing and all this stuff, I actually learned to love myself. I love myself enough to not abuse myself to the point where I'm going to masculinate myself uh, by defeminizing myself, by putting things into my body that's going to alter essentially my femininity. There are, and I'm going to admit this out loud, there are certain qualities about me that people would think or suggest that to some degree, I have full well potential to be a man eater. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As there are womanizers, I'm a man eater. Um, I'm not, I choose not to be for my own sanity and trying to pull off juggling acts just doesn't work for me. Um, but more so because I have more self-respect for myself. Um, not trying to say that I didn't careen out of control because of what it felt like rejection after the marriage that I didn't go off and do my thing after being with somebody for 13 years. And once you venture off and you come back, you realize, okay, none of that was worth it. And thank God I did not contract anything along the way. Um, you come back to grounds and you're like, okay, wait a second. I love myself. I love myself so much that although fitness is super important to me and looking a certain way is super important and I'm s- extremely competitive, um, I would never do anything that I could not reverse or I wouldn't do anything that would compromise that. Right, right. Um, the sheer fact that there's possibility of putting certain things in your body that's going to cause your organs to grow scares the shit out of me. Or the sheer fact that your voice can be altered and never go back there are just certain things that scare the shit out of me it's good that you're scared by these yeah things, I, I it's it scares me and that's why i'm like okay, you know what no i'm not gonna do that so yeah you have that stopping i here. have that um even in casinos for instance and back to being the addictive personality i had gone uh, with three friends of mine while i was in prep um uh, to casino niagara and uh, we had gone to a restaurant and i was like fuck you know i shouldn't be eating here but you know whatever they made me a salad with a piece of grilled chicken. It was basic. I'm like, okay, good. I'm in the clear. Go to the casino. I'm like, fuck, okay. How much am I going to spend here? I think we end up spending like 200 bucks each, which is not a big deal. But I'm like, okay. I'm walking around. I'm playing with the slots. There was no tables at casino, just slots. And I'm watching them go around. Erica looks over. She's everything okay. I'm like, everything's fine. I said, do you see these people in here? She goes, what? I said, they look so sad. I was like, oh my God. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, look around. Some of these people look like they're about to slit their wrists. I'm like, they've clearly lost a lot of money. Like, this is fucking sad. I go to the washroom and this one woman's in the washroom. She's bawling her eyes out. How am I going to go home? How am I going to explain this? I'm like, that's all I need to hear while I was washing my hands before I walked out. And I'm like, oh my God, no, I'm not going to the ATM. I'm not spent. (laughs) Get me the fuck out of here. Like, dude, you okay, my girl, let's go back to the room, have a few drinks. Let's go wander Niagara. Like, I don't give a shit. Let's go wander drunk for all I care. But I'm am, I'm am so not gambling anymore. That was enough to literally bring me back. I'm like, okay, no. Although I'd love to go play more on the slots because I love the flashing lights. <laughs> I'm all about the lights. I'm like, like even though there's a the button yeah. where you have the handle, I, bitch, I'm playing with the handle. I'm old school Vegas. Where's the cigarette? What do you mean I can't smoke in here? <laughs> um, like, honestly, I love that. I love the, the what we we envision, the glamorous side of Vegas. Or or even gambling, like the idea of the casinos. Casino Niagara man, that was a that was an eye opener for me. I'm like I was like, You ever want to go to Vegas? Not really. Have you ever been to Vegas? I've never been to Vegas. I've never
0: been to Vegas. I'm not a casino guy. I mm. went once, my wife and I, we um we we decided to go renew our vows, but we did Sweet. it kind of we did it kind of in a very goofy way. We found some dude in Niagara that will go to places to yeah. to um to do uh your to remarry you, and so he's like, we're, we're trying to figure out like, so where do you do these types? He's like, well, I can come to your hotel room. We could. I was like, that's awesome. That's that's yeah. what we're doing. That's awesome. And my wife was pregnant too, which was even Aww. funnier because like the whole thing just felt like a shotgun <laughs> wedding. Anyway, so we were at the casino and like I had never really been to a casino and I have no interest. It's i just, beautiful. I've no interest in gambling at all. Yeah. I got no problems blowing my money like on a night out with my friends and paying yeah. for drinks for everybody and I feel good about money that I can't I can't feel good about just losing money gambling. Yeah. So that's not my thing and that's one reason why I'm like I can't do Vegas. I would never I yeah. would. I don't think I'd enjoy myself, and I know I don't drink much anymore. You yeah. probably knew me when I was uh, more into alcoholic stuff. Yeah. Um. But I really don't <laughs> do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, I just. Ca- I can't. I don't feel good. I'll have two beers and I'll feel drunk, and I'll have three, then I'll feel hungover already. Yeah. I don't feel. I, I'll no. As f-
1: we get older, we can't drink anymore. I can
0: I don't. I don't even bother trying. I mean, I, enj- I enjoy my cannabis. Yeah. You know, that's that's a whole other story for me. But I'm Vegas. I I I keep telling my wife, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to Vegas. I won't. Survive, you know. I'll go hard for three hours, and I'm done for like, uh, I'm done. I'm done for the rest of the weekend or however long we're there. It's just not my, not my thing.
1: No, for sure. And I honestly, I don't, I don't blame you. Vegas is not, is definitely not for gambling. Is not for everybody. But I have that personality, so I know walking in. Okay, you know your tendencies. Like when I had, uh, what I can't remember what game it was on the Super NES. My sister Ursula would come home at two, three in the morning as who is now my brother-in-law would be dropping her off from a date yeah. and I'd be up still like, hit me, <laughs> hit me. <laughs> um, um, Louvie you have school. You have to get up at seven in the morning. Okay. Just just 20 more minutes. She's like it's two 30 in the morning. <laughs> like, so I'm like that, that was an eye opener for me as a kid growing up. Okay. You never do this. Yeah. Um, the fact that I smoked, that was like, okay, now if you offered me a cigarette, I can have it. I won't crave another one for three, four months. It makes no difference. I can have it. I cannot have it. it I don't makes know no what difference. it is
0: because I smoke and I don't know what it is about cigarettes that I, I really want or like. And I, I think it's, I don't, I don't know. I think I do it out of boredom. I'm not going to lie. I think it's because it's like, this just seems like there's a commercial on TV. Guess what? I'm going to go have a cigarette. Or I use it as a little bit of a reward. I'm doing something at work. I'm editing yep. a podcast or the case. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go this far and have a cigarette. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I really got to stop that before my fucking four-year-old picks up that I smoke. Right. I really don't want her knowing that I, that I smoke yeah, cigarettes. Yeah.
1: No, you don't want her to. Not at all. No. I used to... Literally, my dad would leave a cigarette in the ashtray as a kid growing up. And I would inhale the smoke from the ashtray and go, <sighs> blow it out on the side because I thought it was so cool. And I'm like, there's there's still something about the combination of a nice cologne and cigarette scent. Because that, that reminds me of my dad. Yeah. I think that's why I was so enamored with this guy, like my best friend who was murdered. I was like, every time he'd come in, I'd be like, you smell like magic. Uh-huh. Like, really? Oh, thanks. So I'm like, no, really, you... You smell like magic. He goes, I just outed a butt and I'm wearing Creed. I'm like, I know. I know there's something about the combination of the two, right? I'm like, I still like that scent. I'm like, that's carcinogens and more toxins from the perfume. I'm like, I know. I just love it. Like, Can have one of his scarves? Thanks. <laughs> like, How do we bottle this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <what we're> <laughs> so it's just, there's certain things that I know I just, I can't allow myself to do. I already know based on how I live my life, I'm a bit of a deviant. Like it's not normal. Like the fact that I trained the way I train, the fact that I got up and I wasn't victimized or, divined or defined by my divorce. Like there's certain things that people are like, what the fuck? I'm like, I just don't care. I just don't care. And it's not that it's not that I don't care. Correction. It's not that I don't give a shit. It's that I give too many shits. And I give too many shits about one thing and one thing only. And it is my, myself and my own perception of myself. Like, Am I legitimately just trying to convince myself that I'm strong from within, or am I actually strong from within? I am strong. There is there is a difference. The only ever says, "Oh, fake it till you make it," I faked it until I made it. You know what? I'm great. I didn't wake up crying today. This is fucking awesome. Time to celebrate. Yeah,
0: yeah. You've definitely elevated yourself.
1: Right? How did I treat myself? Soy milk, soy milk with a little bit of cocoa and there's some stivy. I'm like I'm having chocolate milk this morning. <laughs> no one's gotta know. It's my fake, cho- you know, chocolate milk. This is my reward. <laughs> But it was just you fake it until you fake it till you make it. And you know what? I've made it. You know what? Things life is not. It really isn't shit. I think our perspective is what is shit. You know, whether it be because, you know, oh, this happened and that happened and you're defined by your misery. You know what? Stop wearing it on your sleeve like it's a fucking badge of honor to be miserable is not. Oh, she's had a rough life. That's why she's so. M-. So you're wearing that like a badge of honor. Bitch, get over it. Stop it. You're allowing this to define you, your perception of your he scowl on your face. You know how much Botox is gonna take to fill that? What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> like like seriously. Save yourself really?
0: some money. Right? Like and change your paradigm. Smile. <laughs>
1: hi. <laughs> like you're just really like, I know I have smile lines I'm fine with those. And you know what? Why do you ask? Because I smile yeah, I all the time. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> like on. I had one guy come up to me the other James, hi, I'm like, Hi, how's it going? He's like, Good. I'm like, good. So I go like, I'm Mark. I'm like, Hi, Mark. Nice to meet you. Put my headphones back on. So uh, what? Like, did you? Oh, because I was smiling at you. (laughs) Sorry, dude. I smile at everybody. (laughs) Sorry, my bad. That's fucking funny. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm like, and honestly, it's, you know, I'm in the gym because there's laughter coming out of the corner of the gym because I've randomly gone off about something or like, or me and my girlfriend, she'll be on the Stairmaster doing her cardio and I'll be in the weight section where we're randomly bitching about gym fuckery, but we're pissing ourselves laughing. They can hear the laughter echoing. How, why are you guys laughing? You guys are laughing. Yeah. We're talking to each other. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like life is just too short. To allow misery and mishaps and misunderstandings and just everything upset you. Just stop it. Stop with the upset. It's not a good feeling. So why do you continuously feel that way? There's no need for that. feel like, oh, I feel like shit. I feel like crap. Well, do something about it. I feel fat. Okay, go to the damn gym. Do something. Eat properly. I just can't. I love food too much. Well, clearly love food more than you love yourself. Because it's not important enough for you to do something about it. At least not important to you enough. Like, you know, I always tell people and you hear it all the time, skinny doesn't taste as good as it looks or as it tastes or whatever the hell that expression is. I'm like, you guys are just a disaster. What effort are you going to put forth today? It's going to show tomorrow that you actually cared about yourself yesterday. Like I know, and when I'm 50, I'm not going to be rocking a 50 year old's body and I'm good with that. Okay. I might have to get a boob job, get something augmented. Cause you know, gravity is just going to pull that <laughs> shit down. It doesn't matter how much collagen you run on, run on there. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just, it just, at some point, Everything's got to matter to you. You got to matter to you. You have to be aware of yourself and everything else around you. And I think a
0: lot of people just kind of hit that spot just a little too late.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think that's the saddest thing. Um, I I honestly think my dad finally became self-aware literally only a couple months before he passed. But it's it's not just awareness, -awareness. self-awareness. aware of how that person's feeling. Because you have to be concerned about those who are not self-aware, how they're feeling. How are you going to prevent? It has to matter enough to you to help them make themselves aware make them aware of what they're doing wrong. Not necessarily wrong and wrongs our perception of what is right and what's wrong, but how their negativity is affecting them and in turn spilling into other sections and parts of their life. I think it's, I think it's atrocious. Like, especially as you get older, you see a lot of these miserable, you know, I said seniors are miserable. These really miserable old people. It's like, you never broke that cycle. Like it's not because they're old enough and it doesn't matter. They can say whatever they want. All of the more power to you. I'm not going to step over you because you're miserable and you're old. But I'm looking at you thinking, what the fuck? I don't want to end up that way. My mom was probably, before you know her dementia really set in, as she got older, I noticed she started to give fewer shits about things and became slightly happier. I think it's because finally at that point she was learning to let go. But she let go too late. I think her dementia was self-perpetuated. I think her life was so awful that it was in her genetic code, essentially, to eventually end up with dementia. But it actually came out in her think eventually we can all have dementia if it's in our bloodline or our family genetics um, to end up with some stream of dementia or Alzheimer's. But my mother wound up with full-blown dementia because her life was that awful. And she reminisced all the time about the miserable things versus the things she should be grateful for. And it's not to say that my mom had a ton to be grateful for because she really didn't. But I think she became aware of how, how those things made her feel and learned to let them go too late. Because despite the fact that my mom was miserable about her life she was one of the happiest souls if that makes any sense at all it makes a lot of sense my mom would laugh about the dumbest shit like the dumbest shit like she would fart like a silent fart in the car and like (laughs) the fuck is going on all of a sudden the windows are open she starts laughing it was you eh? i'm thinking it's the sewage or the humber i'm like no it's you Thanks, mom. Thanks. <laughs> and she's laughing hysterically, tears rolling down her face. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're sorry. Lady. If you can't laugh at a fart, something's right? fucking wrong right? with you. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: I swear, mom, it's like something died in your body. <laughs> Poor woman. Um, right on. Yeah, you know what? It's, uh, I don't want to wind up miserable and I don't want to wind up sick. And I don't want, because I'm miserable and sick. Have that bleed into who I am as a person, and have my energy go to shit, and my energy spill out into other people, and that me being negative. And you know, they say people are cancerous. I'm like, I don't want to be a cancer for somebody. Mm-hmm. I I really don't want to be toxic. So it's it's about me going into a different vibration and self awareness, and really being happy because I choose to be happy. There's a lot of shit going on in the background. There will always be shit. Like I haven't seen my mom in over a year um, because my eldest sister won't allow us to. So my mom's got dementia. She's dying of cancer right now. She is 73 years of age. Um, she lives with my sister in Angus. There are so many reasons as to why my sister won't. Reasons that are justifiable to her, to my eldest sister, as to why she won't allow us to see our mom. So none of none of you guys? None of us. Four of us get along smashingly. Doesn't mean we all see eye to eye on things all the time, but we we get along well enough to know what the daily updates are with one another versus the weekly or monthly. Like we're on a message stream 24-7, me and my sisters. There isn't anything that I wouldn't do for them. Same goes for my eldest sister, but in having said that, a lot has changed. The dynamic of our relationship has changed since she's taken our mother from us. She will not allow us to see her. So my sister is the power of attorney, um, and my mother lives within her home. Um, and because my sister's home, her dwelling is private property, we're not allowed to see our mother because she won't allow us in the house and to show up on her property again, as we've been warned several times, we'll be given a trespass and eventually will lead to a criminal charge if we continue to persist uh, because my sister does not want us on her property. However, as power of attorney, she does not have authority to deem who can and cannot see our mother, but it's private property. And again, the loophole, she can't technically, but my mother's not ambulatory. So that's the other issue. So we're kind of stuck in this rut where we don't know what the status is on our mother. The only time I get an update is when I call the police department on emergency line to have them go do a random check. Concerned citizen check. Um, How often have you had to do that? um, However often I want. I could do it weekly. I could do it daily. I can be a complete fucking pain in the ass. I know, right? And by law, they legally have to go and check. Um, So the last I heard, my mother wasn't you know, too bad. She wasn't well either. Uh, she was laying in bed, talking to the police officer when they went to go check. And, you know, it's funny because the cop I had spoken to over the phone, should, should I tell them who who sent me? Yeah, yeah. Tell her it was her baby sister. The baby, the bunch of oh, the bunch, the bookend. So the cops like like, was what? I said, my sister used to joke that we were the bookends because she was the first born and I'm the youngest. She's like, okay. So when she called to report, she said my sister was quite upset and she scoffed. Because it was me who was sent them. Because my other sisters and we're all in the same boat. I grew a whole different set of balls, I think, when I left my ex-husband. Because normally I'd be very emotional when I was being kicked out of the hospital, being confronted by my sister. She had kicked me out of the hospital. That was another thing. When I went to go see my mom, that's another fiasco. Um, But the security from the hospital is the one that escorted me out. They weren't supposed to. It's private. It's public property. I'm allowed to be there. I'm a taxpayer. So it's kind of a a mess that way. Um, But having said that, I haven't seen my mom since last year, August. So there's always shit in the background. And as much as it upsets me, um, beyond words, I still pray for my sister. I dislike her as a human being. However, I do not doubt she is taking the best care of my mother. I do not doubt witnessing day in and day out watching your mother slowly die must be one of the most difficult things. I don't doubt that. That is a challenge. And it's not that she had to do it on her own. She chose to do it on her own by ostracizing yourself, by moving out to bumfuck Idaho Angus, which is like 45 minutes outside of Barrie. You chose to do that. She was upset because we all couldn't dedicate six months out of every year to take her, to take turns taking her. Mm-hmm. I'm one income trying to keep myself afloat. Who's gonna pay my bills? Yeah. I don't have a husband. I don't have someone who's gonna support me. Like I, I just don't have that. And my other sister has, um, you know, a, a son who's who's got a disability. He's mentally challenged. He suffers with autism. Her hands are full. Dealing with him, and she also has another son who's older. Who's she? She got two ends of the spectrum. One who's extremely gifted, who's very independent. You can't neglect your family. Um, I have another sister who's like friggin' Uber, driving one kid to hockey and the other one to ballet, and a gajillion times a night. Also has a husband and a dog and this life, and she's on television and she's filming and she's got all this shit. Then you have my sister Sue, who's trying to keep her business afloat. Working a jillion hours a week as a belly dance studio instructor. Like, everyone has their shit. No one can take off six months to stay bedside for our mother. We're sorry. Mm -hmm. I I can gladly go visit her every day. I can allot a couple hours a day to that. But I can't spend the next six months her bedside. I can't. None of us could. So she held that against us. She was mad at us. So... You know, everyone's got their shit in the background, you know, finally paying off the repercussions of the divorce and the debts from the lawyers and the this and the that. Everyone has their shit. Everyone has their shit. And as much as we think, oh, this person doesn't have a story, this person Everybody has a story. Oh, yeah. Everyone seems to think I'm this well-kept woman. I remember the first time pulling up into the gas station at uh, Langstaff and Western Road in my car. This is like, I think I had the car a few days. The Mustang was not even a scratch on it. It was perfect. Beautiful. Pull up in the gas station. Oh, must be nice. This man says to me, I'm like, story. Oh, would your husband buy that for you? <laughs> so now I'm laughing hysterically. I'm like, what, the car? He goes, yeah, clearly you're a kept woman. I said, why? Because my hair and my makeup's done. I said, I'm a kept woman. He goes, clearly you must spend your entire day at the gym. Just look at you. I'm like, actually, this is my gift to myself after my divorce. Um, I lost everything in the divorce, essentially. And this is my... My gift to myself as my rebuild. And yes, I spend a lot of time at the gym. But I'll tell you what, I sacrifice sleep to go to the gym. And then after the gym, I go to work for 8 to 10 hours, sometimes twelve, seven days a week. So I don't know what part of that makes me kept. Responsible maybe, independent maybe, a strong woman most certainly. But not kept, my friend. The only thing that's keeping me is me, my ass in check. I got into the car, am like, fucking asshole, <laughs> <laughs> fucking piece of shit, <laughs> kept woman, <laughs> kept by who? I'm <laughs> like, really? I'm like, keep it everybody else. I'm like, God, forgive him. He doesn't know any better. I'm sorry for all the nasty things I said about that old man. But really, we can be defined or you can live in defiance. I live in defiance from the norm. What the hell? Who the hell wants to be a horse? I'm a goddamn unicorn, man. Fuck <laughs> that oh, <God>, shit. <laughs> right like, on. so. As much as people think, you know, you are what you bring to the table. You know, I'm a ball of energy. Hopefully, just you know,
0: stays this way. I dig it, man. I'm so happy I came out here. I'm, I'm so happy you, you invited me to come out here. I'm
1: glad you came. Yes, I'm glad this you came. has been
0: good. This has been a nice catch-up.
1: Yeah, I'm glad. Sure. Now we do dinner and drinks.
0: Yeah, well. For me it's a smoke a joint get the That's munchies fine. then have dinner. <laughs>
1: that could work too. <laughs> Just give me my sunglasses. <laughs> I wear my sunglasses at night. Right on, right on. <laughs> Little Corey Hart. Right, right. on. Well, this uh, has
0: been awesome. I really uh, appreciate you uh sharing your your stories with us. This has been a good time. Same, agreed. Well, I think we'll uh call this a wrap, people. You have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone. I'm Mark. And I'm Olivia. Right on.